Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Leslie Thomas. Leslie, hello. Hello, Amy. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for coming on Focus on Why. I am going to kick this off with what is it you are doing at the moment? I am very heavily into a number of collaborations at the moment, and I think that has been my greatest joy over the last few months. There's getting the opportunity to work with other women who are creating their own businesses, creating their own opportunities and us doing it together has been something that has been so uplifting to me and, and, and so encouraging in terms of when you are you know, an entrepreneur, it can be a really lonely space, even though you have people around you. So for me, working with others, having that opportunity to collaborate is something that I'm really, really enjoying. And was it something that you weren't doing before? Were you working alone before? I Well, I came into my coaching business just under a year ago. Um, I have another business where I sell ski property with my husband. Um, and it's ski property in the Alps. And there, I always work very, very closely with my husband and work very closely with our teams out in the in the different resorts. Once I set up my coaching business, yes, I was very much working alone. But I think probably that, again, has been the joy of the pandemic is actually because everybody is online. And I think it's always a case of trying to find the, you know, the positives in things. And the pandemic it's very hard to find, you know, very many positives, but I think the opportunity that everybody was online, everybody was finding a way to connect, then far more people have been up to the opportunity to collaborate. And I think that for me has been something that has been so encouraging over the last few months to have that opportunity to share what's going on and to be able to lean on other people and be that support as well for my newfound colleagues. And what areas of coaching are you specialising in? So you could call me a business coach with a difference. Because when I became a coach, um, the area I wanted to specialise in was money mindset. And the reason why I wanted to focus on money mindset is it's become very apparent to me ever since I was working in corporate going back 10, 15 years ago, that the impact our mindset has and our money mindset in particular has on our self-worth and our self-value is massive. And I knew when I became a business coach, if I purely went into somebody's business and looked at what was going on in terms of peeling back their business strategy, et cetera, et cetera, it would be a little bit like somebody deciding they wanted to work with a personal trainer. They wanted to lose weight. They wanted to get fitter, et cetera, et cetera. But if they didn't truly 
believe they could make those changes once the personal trainer disappeared they could possibly revert back to their old habits I knew the same would be the case with business coaching unless I really helped a client to understand why they were not where they wanted to be in terms of the impact they were having, in terms of the money they were making, in terms of their ability to grow their business, then it wouldn't matter what suggestions I made to them with regards to their business strategy, they would likely revert back to where they were once they stopped working with me. So my real area of focus, my niche is money mindset. Once I've helped a client to understand where their money mindset has come from, put in place the tools and techniques to overcome that, and then together go back into their business, that is when the real magic can happen because they're really bought into why they need to make those changes, how to make those changes, and what the benefits will be. Often I find that people who specialize in an area is because they've experienced this themselves. Has that been the case with you? Did you have a money mindset issue? And, you know, the, the honest answer to that is no. Where, where my story comes from is around limiting beliefs and, and the opposite of that. I was very fortunate that my mum, when I was in school, would never allow me to place any limits on myself. So when I would say things like, I'm only going to do two A-levels, my mum's immediate response was, no, you're not, you're going to go, you're going to do three. Um, I'm going to go to college. No, you're not, you're going to go to university. And I recognise the power of having somebody really have that belief in me when I didn't have that belief in myself. I considered myself to be fairly average, nothing particularly special, was not really going to achieve anything outstanding, my mum believed I could be and do whatever I wanted to do. So I borrowed her belief for a long period of time, but I started to notice with friends and with colleagues, and subsequently when I set up my own business 10 years ago, people would come to me wanting me to give them support and answer their questions in terms of setting up a business, how to go about doing it. I noticed a real amount of limiting belief that others had in terms of what they were capable of. That is when I started looking into what causes these limiting beliefs. And a large amount of limiting belief is as a result of our money mindset. So I knew that if I wanted to make the impact that I wanted to, as a business coach, that had to be the starting point for me. And whilst limiting beliefs are not only caused as a result of money mindset, it is probably the largest chunk of why women in particular have concerns about going visible, um, charging more money, putting boundaries in place, niching down, et cetera, et cetera. And that is why I decided I wanted that to be my focus because of the impact I wanted to have, the change I wanted to create for my clients so that they could grow the business in the way they felt they could, but they didn't know they could. So with that, 
elements of the impact and the change they can make and the limiting beliefs coming from the money mindset and and how you're helping them to become visible and and set those boundaries and understand what money can really do with them what is the what is the sort of epiphany or the the moment where your clients realize oh my goodness how could I not see that do you know it's very often it's a layering effect it's a layering effect of doing several several different exercises that makes them look at where their money mindset has come from and that very often is a, a, an emotional process for them because some clients the what they have gone through in terms of their childhood you know I have, I have one client that spoke about um when she was younger she needed to have a prescription she wasn't very well she needed a prescription and she didn't leave didn't live in the UK so prescriptions are charged for and her father said to her that the cost of the prescription needed to come from her own allowance he didn't pay for that prescription that left her with a real feeling of I'm worthless my dad won't even pay for my prescription so the the thought process that she had over a long period of time going back to that point caused a huge amount of emotional anxiety for her because her own self-worth was caught up in that moment you know other clients have events that relate again back to being a child and how their parents were with money around them and they need to go through that emotional release in order to, do that, to then understand how that relationship has impacted other parts of their life. It might be they can't talk about money with their husband. It might mean they don't feel comfortable spending any money on themselves. It may mean they have no joy when it comes to celebrating events because they don't associate anything happy with celebrating so there's never necessarily one moment it is several moments that leads to that leads to a bigger breakthrough and allows them to really you it's almost a physical release I kind of see them sit up shoulders go back smile comes on their face and you start to see they're letting go of what has happened what has led them to a point where they finally say enough is enough I want to change this. I want to see the change and I want to create that change. And then they'll send me you know, little messages about things that they have bought, conversations they've been able to have that they've not been able to have for years and years and years. And seeing those little tweaks, seeing those little changes become much bigger and much more substantial. That is when I know the success that they are seeing as a result of being prepared to do that inner work and to go to places that emotionally they've avoided going to for a long, long period of time. But in having that space in which they can talk to me confidentially, they can let out all those feelings of disappointment and lack of worth and lack of value, but also their real optimism and hope for the changes they want to create, because that's why they've come to me in the first place. They have accepted they need to change, and it's something that they want to do, because if they hadn't reached that point, they wouldn't have reached out to me in the first place. 
And what about all the people, Leslie, that don't realise that money is the foundation of their limiting beliefs? It's it, it, that's a really good question because I think you know a lot of people that I have spoken to at you know different events over the last twelve months, etc don't actually realise the connection between money and lack of self-worth and self-value. They see it as, well, I'm fine with money, you know, I haven't got a problem with money, without actually recognising the knock-on effects there can be as a result of your relationship with money. And it can be things like, you know, not wanting to put packages in place charging by the hour if you're charging by the hour what does that mean you're going to very quickly reach a ceiling because there are so only so many hours in a day it could be choosing not to niche for fear of missing out an opportunity rather than recognizing that niching gives you that opportunity to be seen as an expert in your field. So very often clients will think of money mindset as purely being, I spend too much, I don't spend enough, rather than seeing it having a much, much bigger impact. So part of the work that I do is to educate on a wider basis that a money mindset is not a surface thing. It isn't something that just relates to your ability to be good or not with money, because you can have you can be very good with money on a surface level without appreciating you could have you know a lot of savings but you never invest in your business or you never invest in yourself or you don't spend quality time with your family going out, creating memories, et cetera, because you want that pot of cash to stay in the bank because in the bank, it's safe. It's there for a rainy day. And it's only when you start to peel back the layers do you really start to understand the impact that money mindset can have and that wider ranging reach that you really do need to consider, especially when it comes to growing your business and understanding what is going on that is stopping you from growing your business in the way that you want to. And you talked about reaching that ceiling and in the growth of a business, you, you a lot of people I see plateau and then they can't get to the next level. What is it that you're able to help them to do? I mean, clearly they want to go to the next level, but what's happening at that point? There could be several things happening. You know, one of the key things because of the pandemic, everybody is online, but everybody is online trying to get their voice heard, trying to get their services seen. That means we have to be much more visible. That means we have to be comfortable being on camera. It means we have to be comfortable in raising our presence. If you are suffering from self-worth and self-value and all of a sudden have to be the face of your business, that can bring up a whole can of worms that you had never, ever considered before. Because that little voice in your head will start. Who are you to think that you can go live? Who are you to think that somebody's going to want to hear your message? You're going to mess it up. You're going to have no clue what to talk about. And that's because we are so fearful of looking silly, fearful of our hair not being right, et cetera, et cetera, that we hold ourselves back. But once we start to realise that that is our subconscious 
trying to keep us in our lane, trying to keep us doing what we've always done. Because as you know, our subconscious's job is to keep us safe. And our subconscious believes to keep us safe, we must keep doing what we've all always done. Once we understand the impact of not going visible, for example, we start to understand that what we're actually doing is gifting our competition the ability to speak to our would-be clients, to get their presence, their visibility raised. What I do with my clients is to get them to appreciate where they want to go to, so their future self. And I always get clients to understand what their future self is going to look like in three years time and to be able to appreciate the steps they need to take in order to move from where they are to where they want to be. And visibility in growing our businesses is such a key component. It is something that we should never take lightly. lightly. We can never do enough of and something that we need to get comfortable with. Now, when I first went live on Facebook, probably about 12 months ago, there is nothing more that I hated than the thought of somebody looking at me. Now, I was very lucky in my other business, our properties spoke for themselves. I did go on video occasionally, but being in this business, I recognized I had to be visible. I had to show my clients how comfortable you can get being uncomfortable, but a point comes we are no longer uncomfortable. You recognize it is just something you have to do for your business. And that is what I do with my clients. I take them through that process of small little, uh, small little ways of getting visible and then getting more and more visible and to lose that discomfort. I love that. And, and it is so important to become visible. It's funny you saying about how so how you can be conscious about looking silly and not having your hair right and and I just recorded a video before this and I didn't even check I didn't even look I was just just so fixed on what I had to deliver and I was like oh that's new you know normally before it'd be this whole like oh how do I look what's going on you know and all of that and so it, it does just become second nature almost after a while and I and I hadn't even consciously become aware that that is now the case which is fantastic because clearly I've now stepped into that next space of being really comfortable doing what I do a lot of what I do is audio so I don't even think about doing videos you know I'm not often seen so it's really interesting what I wanted to circle back to Leslie was when you said that you borrowed your mum's belief and that she was pushing you to explore more to to achieve more at what point did you recognize that you no longer were borrowing your mum's beliefs and that you had your own I think when I was in school, so the year before I was due to do my O-levels, yes, I am that old, I didn't do GCSEs, I did O-levels, one of our, the, my English teacher, Mr Cricket, I'm going to name him, you never know, he might be listening, um, he actually decided that he was going to become my guardian angel to a certain extent, and he ensured that I moved up several sets in all the subjects that I was studying because he recognized I'd been holding myself back and he recognized I had more ability than I was giving my credit myself credit for so I think I joined the dots to a certain extent my mum was saying you know I was better than I believed my English teacher was saying the same 
hmm, maybe I was the one that got it wrong. Maybe I should listen to them. And I think it was at that point that I suddenly realized I might not have been the top of the class, but I was in a position where I could become top of the class, not necessarily intellectually, but I had other gifts. I was good at drama. I was good at speaking. I was good at making friends. I was good at making people feel good about themselves. So I took the endorsement I had from my English teacher and the continuing endorsement I had from my mum and I believed them rather than that little voice that was in my head saying, uh uh, you know, stay middle of the road. You don't want to be raising your head above that parapet. And when I recognized actually, I did enjoy having the spotlight shone on me. I did like having that attention for doing something well rather than holding back and not really wanting anybody to notice me. So I would probably say round about 14, 15 was that point at which I thought, no, I'm going, I'm not going to borrow their belief. I'm actually going to believe in myself. And pretty much that is what I've done for the rest of my life, essentially. So where did the limiting belief come from? Because it wasn't in your house. It wasn't at school. So it was something that you, did you experience it before age of 10 or seven? That Well, we, we, we moved around a lot up until I was nine or 10. So my dad was in the police force and back in those days, the police force in Wales, and I think it was probably the same right across the country, believed it was a good idea to move police families on frequently, probably something to do with, you know, not wanting criminals in a local area to get too familiar with, you know, the local bobbies on the beat, et cetera, et cetera. So I was moved from, from school to school every two or three years. It did mean I got used to meeting new people, but I think I, I think I possibly had a certain amount of, I'm having to break into another friendship circle. I'm having to break into another friendship circle. And I think it was that that triggered those feelings of holding myself back because I wanted to be, be accepted, holding myself back because I didn't want there to be a, who does she think she is? Particularly as I, although you can hear very clearly I have a Welsh accent, my Welsh accent is actually much more neutral compared to some of the places that I moved to. So I had some people would pick me up on my accent and my different way of saying things. So I think again, that held me back for a little while until I actually saw the benefit of being different helps you to stand out. So celebrate that difference rather than shy away from it. So what's the why now? What's the, the driving force behind your work? For, for me, it is to, it is working with female entrepreneurs who know they want to achieve more, but they know they're holding themselves back. And they're holding themselves back because of the self-talk that is going on in their head, because of the way they're not valuing themselves in the way that they should. And by turning that around, the real change that they can make to themselves 
and to their businesses. And for me, it's all part of being able to be part of the female revolution to a certain extent, to know the impact that we can make together by not accepting any less from ourselves than we should be. And I see so many of my clients who do a phenomenal job, who are doing several different things, but don't recognize what they are doing and the value it's bringing. And that made me feel really sad to see that, but actually the power that coaching can bring when you have the opportunity to understand what has happened, to be able to say goodbye to what has happened and look forward with such strength and positivity in terms of we've got it all going on. We can all have as much success as we want to have and to remove that break because that is when we start to limit ourselves. We personally apply the break and I want to help clients remove that break. And you, you predominantly work with women. Is it that the same limiting beliefs are mirrored for men as well around money mindset? Men absolutely have same issues around money mindset without a shadow of a doubt. But in my experience, and I do work with some men as well, but in my experience with men, you have to break through the ego element a little bit more. They are a little bit harder to get to a coachable point than women are. When women come to me, they come to me wanting to sort it out. When men have come to me, I've had to break down those barriers before we can get to a point where we can really work together. So my niche is absolutely female entrepreneurs. I've never, you know, I've never turned a man away who's come to me and is coachable, but I certainly have turned away a couple of men who are defensive about the position they are in, because I think their time will come in terms of when they will feel they are ready to be coached. But I think with women, we recognize that we are our own worst enemies when it comes to that little voice in our head, that we talk ourselves out of doing things, that we, we don't really value the role that we play in society sometimes, particularly when that role is multifaceted. You know, we are, we are mothers, we are friends, we are colleagues, we're business owners, we're so many things. And we sometimes allow that voice in our head to overtake and to really, really get in our way. So for me, as a woman, I understand how that voice can stop us from doing what we really want to do. And equally, I know that I have the methodology to help to turn that around. Yeah, fantastic. And, and I, and I recognise that in, in a lot of my coaching clients as well, is that stripping away the ego. And it's, it's what again, when I'm talking to people on the show, those who have stripped away the ego and have separated it from them often find their purpose comes a lot easier because they are focusing on the bigger picture. They're focusing on different elements. They're focusing on what they're looking to achieve for others and, and find that fulfillment. So what's, what's next on the horizon for you, Leslie? 
Well, I've got another collaboration that I'm building at the moment. I'm also working on a group programme that I'm hoping to bring out in the autumn. And then I'm looking at some kind of mastermind yeah. retreat style um, programme as well. You know, as you know, Amy, this is almost a always a work in progress, always thinking about what next in terms of my client's growth and my own growth as well, and putting some real focus on that specialised work that I want to do in terms of, A, developing further collaborations, but also having the group programme in place so that I can help more clients and, and live the message you know, that I give to my clients that one-to-one -one work is great, but you do reach a ceiling and therefore having different options for different clients it's all part of my my evolution of what I'm doing and hopefully what I'm doing for my clients as well fantastic and the ski chalets are they continuing in the background as well Yes, very much so. We, we've been very, very fortunate this year. We didn't have to pivot. Our clients did the pivoting instead. So clients have been buying as a result of virtual viewings online. Would not thought that had been possible when it comes to buying ski chalets and ski apartments, but very much so. I am, I am spending far, far less of my time in that business than I was because I don't have the time, but I will never leave the business completely because it's a family business and it is nice to spend some time working with my husband as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a similar setup for myself where he's he's managing the property portfolio now and I'm I'm less involved on the day-to-days, but still very much keen to progress that forward. So I, I'm mirroring what you're doing there as well. Leslie, it's been incredible talking to you about the money mindset. I wanted to, before we sort of wrap up, I wanted to ask you, with money mindset, is there a point where you are so wrapped in 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 the mindset that you're not seeing not not you personally but as a as a, a one of the clients they're not seeing that all of these dots are connected and i know i touched on it earlier about what is it that people don't see but could you give some indications some sort of highlights of just sort of spotting so little a little sort of advice of what might be happening in your life right now yeah, very often it is that negative self-talk that is going on. You know, we all have different names for it. You know, some call it the inner critic, some call it, you know, the inner bully, some people call it the inner friend. But it is that it is that self-talk. You know, very often what I talk to my clients about is you get a feeling in the pit of your stomach when you know you should be doing something. And very often when you think, ah, oh, I should be doing this, I should be increasing my prices. I should be picking up the phone and having the conversation with the client who's failed to make their next, their next payment plan, et cetera, et cetera. We know when we need to be doing something, but we allow that negative voice to get in there and stop us from taking that positive action. And what I say to my clients is, is to when you get that feeling in the pit of your stomach, act on it straight away. Do whatever it is you know you should be doing. 
and a, a tool I have them to, uh, to utilize is my version of Mel Robbins 54321. Mel Robbins talks about, you know, what get to get out of bed when the alarm goes, get out of bed, 54321. Well, actually, I know I can talk myself out of something in five seconds. So when I know I need to do something, I do it on one. So as soon as something comes into my head, ah, I need to do that. I need to pick up the phone and have the, the difficult conversation. I need to go live on LinkedIn. I need to go and do something in particular for my business. I will just go and do it now rather than prevaricating about it. And that's what I would say to my clients. Actually listen to that, that gut feeling because that gut feeling is will serve you very, very well. Don't allow your inner voice to talk you out of it. Once clients recognize what that inner voice is trying to do, it's trying to keep them safe, but it's trying to stop them from, from taking a different path. What I always say is what your, what your inner voice is looking for is evidence that you know what you're doing. So the more you can generate that evidence of the new path that you're going in is going to work because you've thought about it, because you've created a plan, because you have the action steps, because it's measurable, et cetera, et cetera, the more reassurance your subconscious is going to have. And when your subconscious is reassured, that is when it'll start being solution focused and it'll start helping you. And that is why I call it my shower moments. That is why when I'm in the shower, I come up with my best ideas because I've given my subconscious the permission to help me create the plan of what I'm going to do next. And that's exactly the approach I suggest with my clients. You're, you're in, you're, your subconscious wants to help you, but it needs to have the evidence that you do know what you're doing. So the best thing that you can do is to create that evidence and then your subconscious will come along and support you. Yeah, I love those shower moments. I'm a big fan of myself and, and it is all about that five, four, three, two, one action motion. And that really, just as a side, it really works with teenagers. And I'm sure it would have worked if I'd known about it when they were little too. And I'm just sort of, you know, I, uh, kids were messing about and I said five, four, three, two, one, and off they, they went and did what they needed to do. So it was really useful as, a, as a, an approach there. As I tell you something. To, yeah. So at my children, I think you know the Pavlov effect. So I think five, four, three, two, one takes my children back to me doing exactly. I'm going to count down for five. If you haven't done so and so, X is going to happen. And I even do that now. And I can see my 15 year old kind of looking at me. How far down can I go before I actually jump into action? So it still works with them now. I'm pleased to say. <laughs> It's, it's brilliant because I remember <laughs> counting up and of course that has the effect well where do you stop they you know and you carry on in like 22 23 and they're still not doing it but with five to one you know that's it there's no there's no deviation so fantastically <laughs> Leslie it's been fantastic thank you for coming on the show how would people get in contact with you so if they go onto my website, which is www.lesleyathomas.com or email me at leslie um, at leslieathomas.com and then I'm on social media as the Money Mastery Business Coach. So hopefully lots of options.
Well, I'll make sure they're all in the show notes so people, if they're out and about right now, they can look at those and connect with you later. Leslie, thank you. Do you have some final words for the audience, please? Yes, I think I do. I think for me, you know, the primary message is let's all get out of our own way. We do know what we're capable of. We do know what we want to achieve. We just allow that big boulder to be put in front of us. We put that big boulder in front of us. Let's not do that. Let's really focus on what's on the other side of that boulder. And it might be a bit scary and a bit uncomfortable getting around the boulder, but we all know the magic that is on the other side. So everybody that I work with, everybody I come into contact with, you know, I always say, really think about what you want to achieve, how you want to achieve it. And don't ever let that negative voice tell you you can't, because really, absolutely, you can be your best friend, talk to yourself as your best friend would, and always be the encouragement that you need to see and that you like to create in others, basically. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.